3: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of The Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, AKA Wazley Lambray. And I'm joined by my brother, my partner on the west side of Los Angeles. What's going on there, though? Doing all right, man.
2: Can't complain. You know, living the dream out here. How about you, baby?
3: Of course. Same old same. We're here. We're chilling. Cannot complain about it, man. Um, on today's show. A big victory in Brazil, Lula da Silva back again somehow, president of Brazil. We're going to talk about why that's just a huge deal, a huge victory um, for the left. Like, there's no other way to paint that. Kind of crazy when you think about the journey from this guy doing two terms then becoming a political prisoner, getting out and winning again. This is a movie. Um, so we're going to talk about that Uh but first, man, we want to talk about something that I don't think is getting a lot of press right now in the news, but it's a pretty big deal. Um, the Supreme Court is about to hear a case about affirmative action and whether to strike it down. Um, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. It's coming from a conservative group and a group that um, professes to represent the interests of Asian American students at large. And, you know, it's based on this idea that Harvard and other elite institutions during their admissions process, uh, they fucking, they excluded Asians. They discriminated against Asians um, and, you know, to artificially make their campuses and stuff like that more diverse. uh, And it's just a whole bunch of stuff, uh, Nando. And it's, I think there's a lot of stuff here that is right in line with things that we talk about every single day in terms of like these race based programs and who the benefits actually accrue to. We can talk about that. But I think the spicy part here is this idea that they've these conservatives have figured out, like, no, let's get Asians on board here to make our case more diverse. And I think that's the spiciest element to it.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's interesting because I think like when people think of affirmative, affirmative action, the way it's implemented, I think, is indicative of like what you said. A lot of the stuff we talk about um, on this program, I'm just going to read a couple stats to you um, really quickly. 71 um, percent of Harvard's black and Hispanic students come from wealthy backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, they are. They are the beneficiaries of of, of affirmative action. Um, Just a little more first and second generation African immigrants, despite constituting only about 10 percent of the U.S. black population, make up 41 percent of all black students in the Ivy League. Right. So, you know, obviously the intention of affirmative action was to help the descendants like the black descendants of slaves, right, like the victims of American, you know, uh, the 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 American slave trade and um, and things like that but the way it works in practice because it's purely race based and not economics based you know the son of the ghanaian ambassador to to the united states for example uh is, is is benefiting from affirmative action over the kid who grew up you know in compton or whatever um and i think that that's just shows the limits of the political imagination that a lot of this liberal worldview has you know that uh, you know if you just diversify from a superficial level rather than from an economic level um you'll achieve liberation and i think like the results speak for themselves um like affirmative action has not led to a meaningful um benefit to the, major- the majority of the people that it, it's meant to it's purported to help um, it's obviously helped some people and you know on very narrow and a very narrow kind of margin um but you know on the whole the program is not something that you know, liberated the oppressed black minority in this country, you know, for for lack of a better term.
3: Yeah. And that's and I think that's the most important thing here. I think if this is affirmative action um, as it was supposed to work was like this thing that targeted the most neediest of all black people um and because again it's it's supposed to address the historical iniquities that the country um has put upon black people I think yeah we would be all for it right but as it stands now it's just a way for elite institutions to market themselves as multicultural and and that's to both the students who attend and their parents right and you know I don't I don't know how important that is right and another thing about it um that becomes problematic is like do we really want to get in I think Jay Kang uh former woke bros guest has does a good job of this do we really want to get into the weeds of parsing the levels of black oppression like no you're from you know all uh Nigerian immigrants who were well off, blah blah blah. We don't need to help you. You're from this type of black person. Like, I don't even know that we want to be getting into the weeds with that. And like to my mind, this stuff is really the 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 problems of really well-off fortunate people. Most colleges and universities let in most of the kids that apply to them. Um, you, you can have a great experience. You can get a pretty good education at most of them. Um, I think the affordability of this stuff is becoming problematic. But like, as far as affirmative action and shit like Harvard and University of Michigan and other sort of elite institutions, I just, you know, I don't think that's this is a thing.
2: Again, yeah, like if you really want to help, oppressed minorities in this country or oppressed people anywhere you know um things like medicare for all broad-based social programs you know even medicare itself social security these broad-based social programs that benefit all people both are not only you know the actual things that will uplift people out of poverty and, and oppression but also the most durable politically Right. You know, affirmative action is going to die because there is no one defending affirmative action. You know, there's no coalition to defend affirmative action. There's no one whose self-interest on a mass level is depends on defending from affirmative action. Therefore, it eventually becomes a target of the right wing. And it's an easy defeat, you know, an easy defeat, whereas privatizing Social Security, which has been a dream of Democrats and Republicans for 30 years, somehow doesn't doesn't happen. Because there is a broad based social mm-hmm. political block that is self interested in defending it, therefore will defend it tooth and nail. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, you know, th- I, I think it's just a lesson in 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 basic political efficacy, but also in 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 what real emancipation looks like, um, you know, a an increase in the minimum wage and you know things that just benefit a broad swath of the population you know, giant cash transfers from the rich to the poor, um, whether that's in the form of Social Security or some sort of, um, you know, government benefit for other things. Um, like if there was a, a child care benefit, like if you just got a check in mail from the government, you know, thousand bucks if you have a kid, you know what I mean, uh, every month type of thing, you know what I mean? Like that would be just an unbelievably pop- popular program that would be very difficult to dismantle because there would be this, this huge coalition of people who would who would fight to defend it um things like affirmative action which saw the path towards you know escaping poverty through an elite education that's just not how that works that's not viable for for a large
3: group of people exactly
2: (laughs) all it does is reinforce inequalities
3: Mm -hmm. right
2: um you know if, if if everyone went to harvard then harvard would stop being special you know That's just just the reality
3: of it. And we had Bert Cooper on, and he talked about this months ago when he was on the program, just this idea that the benefits of these race-based programs accrue to the people who have the means to access those benefits, right? Who are able to go out and they know how to do it. They know how to play the game. They're of the culture of these elite institutions, and they can win, you know, like they can win. They can get it right. They, they can achieve all of the 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 sort of what, what is asked of you. You know the answer is going in because you are of those institutions. Like you might be a third and fourth generation college student, right, who's a black person. You know, if you come out of that, it's going to be much easier to, for you to access this minority sort of race-based program kind of stuff uh and normal people they don't have access to this stuff and they're not going to win that way and while you know i understand why a lot of people are going to be hurt to see affirmative action fall i think in the broader sense i don't know that this again actually i do know this was not helping a wide swath of you know disaffected people
1: hello listener guess who's back it's me anthony mays your favorite butcher turn podcast producer and i'm here to talk to you about butcher box butcher box is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep free shipping vacuum sealed packaging ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order.
3: So, yeah, I think the, the message here is clear. Uh, affirmative action sort of stopped doing the job that it was intended to do a while ago. Sucks that, you know, the way that it's happening, I understand the, the parties that are involved, Um, especially this one guy, I forget his name right now, um, who was behind uh, the Shelby County getting voting rights turned. Uh, Basically, you know, him being the guy that's spearheading this, I understand why people get upset by it. Uh, but you know this this thing wasn't doing the job of the people on the ground man it was doing the job of the work of the elites and yeah. I don't know that we should be too you know bent out of shape about it but let's move on man to legitimate good news in the new in the world of the left um man Lula da Silva he takes down Bolsonaro who He tried to do his little Trump thing of I'm not conceding, blah, blah, blah. But he's already put in the mechanisms to abdicate um, the presidency and he's moving on. And Lula's about to be president again. Of course, man, rest in peace. Shout out to my brother, Michael Brooks, who if not for him, I know for a fact, me, myself personally, I would not be so plugged in to what is happening in Brazil, particularly with Lula's brand of leftism. And so to see this guy again, win, take tens of bring tens of millions of Brazilians out of poverty in his two terms in office over there in Brazil, get out, go to jail, um, be jailed by his political opponents, get out, and then win again. This is this is beautiful, yeah. Nando. Yeah, it's really
2: amazing. I mean, you know, it, it's been said before, and, uh, and you know, our, our our brother Michael would always talk about this and uh, that Lula da Silva is probably the greatest politician of our lifetime, certainly, <laughs> you know, easily. I mean, I, I mean, beyond beating Bolsonaro in this election, two years removed from being sitting in a fucking prison cell. OK, you know, think about that for a second. Um Lula da Silva is probably the, the person that is most responsible for bringing down Brazil's military dictatorship. You know, Brazil had a military dictatorship from 1944, 1954, through uh, the mid '80s. Um, it officially ended in 1989. Kind of started ending in the mid '80s. Um, but in the late '70s, you know, Lula be- emerged as the leader of the trade union movement that was the forefront of opposing the military dictatorship. Lula is an uneducated. Factory worker from northeastern Brazil, you know he does not come from the power centers of Brazil, Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. He comes from the northeast. Um, he was a factory worker. He were I think he worked in an auto plant. He lost his finger. He's missing a finger, but he got cut off in an auto plant. Emerged um, as a really heroic union leader that led um, organized a series of wildcat strikes against like a corrupt union leadership um, that really mobilized the entire country. It's just like a remarkable political story, and then. In the early 2000s became president of brazil um i believe brazil is the third third largest democracy in the world after india and the united states um it's a a huge country it's over 200 million people there's more people in brazil than the rest of south america combined he became president of brazil and led this remarkable transformation in which he just lifted millions of people out of poverty um by basically Giving them money, you know, simple, broad-based social programs like we were talking about. He, you know, instituted some taxes and then just instituted like a a, a just a benefit for the poor. Um, they put money in their pockets, you know, and yeah. he was brought down in a in a really bullshit scandal, quote unquote. Sent to jail and just like a really heinous, just fucking bullshit. <laughs> like some fucking they like, claim that he got like a free renovation on an apartment that was like even that like it's like come on. You know, it was just and, a pure and, you know, job.
3: Some of the stuff that was going on in American press about Lula da Silva's like, oh, this guy's corrupt, this blah, 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 blah. And again, it leaves out the part where he did the legitimate work of lifting tens of millions of Brazilians out of poverty. It's like, no, in Brazil, that's just doing business. Uh, like, that's the cost of doing business. You might have to pay off some corrupt bureaucrat or whatever, so that you can go about doing the business of the people. Sometimes yep. that's just how it works, you know? Um, You talk about, I think about stuff, and we've talked about it on the show, stuff like the Teamsters, where you talk, they they would say, oh, the Teamsters, smear them and be like, these motherfuckers are mobbed up, they're thugs and they're this and they're that, and leave out the part where it's like, no, the bosses were the first to call thugs on union workers. Trying to pick it, trying to strike, trying to get better deals for themselves. They're the one trying to get in the way of scabs. They're, the boss is called the goons in first, and the union was like, "Yo, how do we sort of, you know, fight against this?" And they bring the mob in. It's I think it's sort of the same idea there. You know what I mean? Where yeah. uh, you get Luke no points, just... you get
2: no points from the referee in the sky for playing clean.
3: Exactly. It's about exactly, power,
2: You know. It's about power and exercising power. And like you said, in Brazil and in America, like, don't exactly. not, like, pretend this is like some exactly. fucking, you know, some fucking like, you know, third world shit. Like in America, patronage systems are how you exercise power. Certain people control patronage systems that you gotta, you know, the money's gotta flow in order to make certain things happen. I think, like, if you look at the Democratic Party, they used to have these political machines that um that are essentially patronage systems that you know are, were a way to to rally votes and often it was by delivering concrete benefits to certain people they saw that as corruption i mean right now the democratic party consultant class is the machine you know that is the grip you got to pay those people off you don't call that corruption but if you want to be uh if you want to be in power in democratic party politics you got to pay off a whole lot of people how do they do it they just basically hire them as consultant pay them millions of dollars do no work (laughs) do no work to buy some fucking ads on tv to produce like the most boring ads in the fucking universe you know like uh and and you know that's that's the grip that's that's that we don't call that corruption but that's that's the same thing is that like you need to grease some hands in order to exercise power to be like kind of pure about that you're just never gonna achieve it so lula again lula the reason that lula is such a political genius and really like a one-of-a-kind type of guy is that he is able to keep his eye on the ball of power while still maintaining enough of a social conscience Mm. and a sort of ideological rigor to make people's lives better to to be frank because there's a there's you know you could be perfectly you know you can have perfect politics or perfect ideology but then you know once you're Dealt, once you face with the realities of, of exercising power you know those two things often come in conflict and you got to be able to navigate that lula and what what often happens is people get into politics with like good intentions like i'm thinking of that guy kevin de in la you know who, mm. who, who was one that racist you know apparently mm-hmm. when he was young he was like this like fire like you know what i mean then he got in there and he became a corrupt asshole and he's like a you know he's like just and that's a very easy process to happen too so to to sort of Get your hands dirty enough to be able to exercise power to 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 lift, lift people's lives better while still maintaining a certain modicum of a social conscience and a long-term vision and staying true to yourself without losing yourself in the in the weeds of that shit is unbelievably difficult. Most people can't do it. Lula is able to do it better than almost anyone else,
3: man. um. So beautifully said,, uh, you know, I think the last thing that I want to hit on with this is like, I think a lot of times we fall into the trap of assigning meaning, a broader meaning to individual events. but is there anything to be gleaned from this? like what does it what what's the meaning of this for Lula to to come back and take the presidency from Brazil's elites? Again,
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I think one of the reasons it's actually, I think one of the reasons why he was able to come back, or part of the part of his political maneuvering, is that he actually had quite a bit of support from the ultra elites. Because mm. the ultra elites, I think Bolsonaro, they just lost confidence in him, mm. you know what I mean? That he was just so comically inept, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that even the elites kind of lost confidence in him. And they remember Lula, like, life is pretty good for them under Lula, as much as as mad as they'd made, they he made them. You know, like the money was flowing pretty nicely as well. So Lula has crafted this kind of coalition of like working class people, um, especially in certain parts of the country, um, like the northeast and in the urban centers. Um, plus, like the elite, it's the the rural people that really supported Bolsonaro, and the suburbs is where Bolsonarismo is most really strong, and also near the Amazon, ironically, is where Bolsonaro is incredibly strong, um, which is which is counterintuitive, but actually also, also makes kind of sense you know, those, you know, extracting is extracting, you know, resources from the Amazon is what's going to make those people their livelihood, you know? Um, but I think there are kind of lessons to be learned both in terms of the power of this kind of revanchist far right is definitely stronger than we'd like. Bolsonaro got way closer than then would be comfortable i mean it mm-hmm. was a fucking tight election mm-hmm. you know despite his comically inept handling of covid despite he himself getting covid like 12 times you know, <laughs> you know? um, and and he got really close and this phenomenon that i'm talking about about rich people plus kind of like a certain type of working class people um in the cities voting kind of progressive whereas uh, people in rural centers and the suburbs, uh, you know, middle classes, but also poor people in the in the in the rural areas yeah, yeah, voting the like you know, yeah. insane far right. You know, mm-hmm. happens in the United States, happens in yep. Europe. It's happening kind of everywhere. So there's there's definitely something more structural going on. Um, and then the other big thing is that Lula is the kind of crown jewel in a way of of what's an emerging um kind of left-wing resurgence in Latin America. In America. The left is under retreat everywhere in the in the world. Everywhere the left is being just crushed everywhere, except in Latin America. They won Brazil, they control Argentina, control Bolivia, um con- they lost in Ecuador, but um one in Peru, although he's in he's in trouble that guy. One in Colombia, which is an insane far right country forever, mm-hmm. never won a left wing president never won, obviously Cuba. Um, and uh, and Honduras, um, you know, has and plus um, don't forget Mexico, AMLO. So you know the, the largest economies in Latin America are Brazil and Mexico, both controlled by kind of you know pretty based left wing you know <laughs> political operators. Dude, fucking AMLO. I was talking about it in the live show, uh, the Ben Burgess show. AMLO, you know, he's he's on his like last year in office. Dude has a sixty six percent approval rating.
3: That's incredible. I don't think will ever constant
2: attacks from fucking the elite, the media. Everyone fucking hates him.
3: Do you think think, when when will we see another president in America get sixty six percent approval rating?
2: It seems it seems unthinkable now. It seems impossible. I'm sure things changed.
3: Yeah, but like, goddamn, dude.
2: You need someone that you need. It it only happens when someone delivers the goods for working people. Yeah, you know, you know
3: what I mean. The the message, the message endures, man. Thank you, Nando, of course, as always. Shouts to everybody. Check out the Patreon, man. We're bringing some new stuff to that, the OG shows. Make sure you're checking out the newer content that we're bringing to Patreon, of course. That's patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. Check out all of our other Count the Dings offerings. That's for 5 bucks a month, essentially, man. A couple Starbucks a month. Go support us on Patreon. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.